Jamie and I'm Nikisha and this is Talking Horror with Jamie and Nikisha where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior while also wow. fangirling over our favorite serial killers. Welcome. Welcome. Yes. So today we are going to talk about the uh, 2009 independent drama thriller Dogtooth. What? What? So it's directed by, and please forgive me, but I'm about to slaughter these names, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, is that how you pronounce it, Jamie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Written by Ephthesmus uh, Philippou uh, and also uh, written by the director as well. And it stars uh, Christos Stergioglu uh, and Michelle Valley and Angelique and uh, Angeliki Papulia. Wow. I'm so sorry, guys. I apologize. You guys can correct me. Correct me over Twitter and Instagram. It's all good. Sounds Greek to me. <laughs> uh, I was thinking it, but I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then Brian comes in with the with the jokes. With, uh-huh. with all of the things. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, we are talking about this film. It is actually a foreign film. It is in Greek. Um, so uh, lots of amazing subtitles, but uh, are there any trigger warnings or spoiler alert? Well, obviously spoiler alerts, but any trigger warnings, Jamie, you want to say? Yes. Yeah. So uh, yes, spoiler alert. We are going to talk about the contents of this movie. So if you have not watched it and you want to listen, please hit pause so you can watch it and then come back to us. Um, but there are a lot of trigger warnings. Um, there is, um, there's a lot of sex in this movie. There's also um, some like incestual related sexual scenes um and sexual assault um violence uh all of the above so um if any of that is not does not make you comfortable you might want to steer clear of this one yes and before we get into all of that because that is a lot in itself what you just said yeah, jamie's any- gonna jamie's <laughs> gonna be busy during this episode <laughs> Oh, I have so many questions. It's quite insane. I had to categorize everything, okay? You might just have to list them out and just, like, have her talk for an hour. (laughs) Absolutely. That's what's going to have to be. That's what's going to have to happen today. But before we get into all of that, anything new? Have you you guys watched anything new? What's been happening? Before we got into this movie, we actually rewatched not horror. I mean, maybe, like, horrific in the beginning, but then, like, happy ending at the end. Avengers Endgame. Uh, Amazing. Just, just, you know, really wanted to to set ourselves up for, well, I guess I would say, failure. 
<laughs> you were talking to a friend who was watching all the MCU movies for the first time, and yeah, she yeah, yeah. is watching Endgame tonight and is like super excited. She doesn't know what happened, so her excitement got us excited. So we rewatched it, and mm-hmm. and that when it was over, like we had to watch Dogtooth because that's this is the only t- opportunity we would have had to watch it before recording this. And right. um, what a what a what a what a tone shift. <laughs> You know, it's just a complete 180 in all respects. Mm-hmm. But MCU, mm-hmm. that is, I would love to be a Marvel superhero. Uh, Black so, Widow is my jam, and I mm. cannot wait for that movie to come out. I know. Mm. Well, I, I know we, we want you want to talk about this, like, but we were bougie now. We got a Peloton bike. <gasps> yes, mm-hmm. I heard. Mm-hmm. Please tell me it how do you to like say it? it? Everything hurts. <laughs> walking hurts sitting hurts oh I still I cannot get out of this bike like I I cannot yes. the clipping part is like harder than the actual exercise uh That's maybe very true I I just like I don't know my body doesn't shift that way um mm-hmm. plus like after you're exerting all of your energy in these like really intense workouts like like I don't know how you have any additional energy to like force your feet out of this bike Absolutely. And like these trainers are doing like three or four classes a day. And oh, I yeah, just they're don't like, understand. these are the real superheroes. Like, I don't yes. know how they do this. <laughs> they, I don't sure, understand it. Clipping out is hard. So they definitely stay in all day and then they just change the camera angles, right? <laughs> I mean, there's other, there's only like one bike in the studio. I don't think there's like multiple things. They got to get in and out right, some kind of way. Mm. Also, uh, this they is sleep producer there. Brian they sleep speaking. on the bike too. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. There. There's pillows he, and everything. But uh, yeah. I was just going to say, producer Brian is also oh, yeah, here welcome, speaking welcome. to us. It's not just a random voice. <laughs> Uh, talking I mean, more with Jamie and Nikisha, and then a random, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> random male voice in the background. I, I, it's a great piece of equipment. Like it truly lives up to kind of to all uh, the hype. To all the hype for sure, for sure. And mm-hmm. like, there's such a diverse amount of types of trainers, um, mm-hmm. uh, exercises, like, um, and, and, and I, I definitely feel like this is, we are not sponsored by Peloton, but I, I definitely <laughs> enjoy it. I wish. <laughs> I, I, do too. I know. I will, I will happily take any of their Peloton swag. Or, you know, just like a 90 day free, extended free trial, you know, that too. Yeah. Or like another totally bike fine. or like their treadmill, like anything, <laughs> <laughs> all of the above. No. no, that's mm-hmm. that's great though. I definitely was using the Peloton um app for the strength training things and I bought like mm-hmm. dumbbells when the quarantine started because sure. I was like, well, let me buy that since I can't have that. But uh speaking of the MC universe, I watched Deadpool for the first time. Oh, okay. really? Uh, like the first the yes, first one. The first one and the second one for the first time in my life. And I don't know how I went 31 years without I mean it came out only four years ago, but I don't know how I went those four years without actually watching it because it was absolutely incredible. So incredible. Mm-hmm. Do you do you typically like Ryan Reynolds? Like Yeah, I mean in his rom com, like I definitely have a DVD of the proposal <laughs> with Yo, Sandra. The Bowen. proposal <laughs> is a great film. <laughs> It's amazing. Sandra the Bullock only, is insane. The only thing I don't like about the proposal is like when the eagle um, picks up the dog. That's a bit too much for me. Yes. But like the rest of that movie is great. Malin Ackerman is great. The two of them are great. Ugh, I love Betty it. White. Betty White is a great film. It's good. But hey, Jim, yes. you, have you seen that one or no? I, I cannot recall if I have, but I know that you've seen every Sandra Bullock movie <laughs> i love her 
Um, yeah, we definitely let's put that on our list for sure. Um, Great. What one. else is I can it, what's it with you? Well, well, did you like one better, two better? I liked the first one better uh, than the second one. The first one, it literally felt like it only, it went by in 30 minutes, but it was an hour and a half movie. Like it was that just clean and the storytelling was magnificent. And the making fun of making fun of making fun of itself aspect of it was something that I loved. I also did not realize it was part of the X-Men universe. And Mm. I am obsessed with X-Men. I definitely was Storm for Halloween a couple years ago. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so I I loved everything uh, about it. It was just great cinematography. The stunts in it were insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as I, I definitely liked the first one over the second. But the second one was still really good. So I'm well, excited. Well, now you know that they because they bought was because of the MC, because Marvel bought Fox. Um, yes. they got Deadpool back. So now they're 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 writing a movie to like start to incorporate him into the MCU, and it's still going to be rated R, which is like wild. Yes, I think they're also yeah because they're also supposed to be incorporating like X Men into yes yeah, like the Avengers. Later, I guess. Did you watch Wars. Wandavision? No, that's on my list. Okay. I gotta right, watch right. it. Sure. So good. Well, we should we should probably get to dog yes. suit though because we <laughs> Nikisha's just like g- genuinely trying to avoid talking about it. Oh no, I need my questions answered. So, uh, Jamie, do you want to just give a general plot of? Sure, I will do my best. So, Dogtooth is about this family. So, it's the father and mother, and then they live with their adult son and their two adult daughters in this compound. And as you learn in the movie, it seems like they the children have never left the compound. Um, so like their entire understanding of the world is within the compound and what their, what their parents, um, teach them. So they get recordings that their parents are giving them of the meanings and definitions of different words. Um, but the words are not actually correct. What they mean. Yeah, yeah. They, the parents are rewarding good behavior by giving their kids stickers and then anything that they do wrong, they are beaten or, or other violence bestowed upon them. A security guard comes to the compound that the father is paying to um, have sex with his adult son. But then she starts to ask for oral sex from the older daughter in exchange for different items like bartering for a headband and hair gel and things like that. At some point, uh, the older daughter gets access to these video cassettes that um, we can assume what some of the movies are, like Rocky and things like that, but like more pop culture um, movies that these kids have never had access to. And then when the father finds out, he beats his daughter, he beats the... um, the security guard and tells her that, you know, her services are no longer needed. Um, and also makes a very interesting comment about his, her children. And then he just, he has the son decide who his next sexual partner is going to be. He picks the elder daughter. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> a really disturbing incest scene there. And then at the end of the movie, the eldest daughter escapes from the compound. So that's dog yes. tooth. <laughs> <laughs> so on it on the most general of general notes did you like the movie and this is by the way this is our first time all of our first time watching yes. this movie yes yes okay. yeah yeah did you like did, it did i like the movie that is a great question i don't know if i liked it but i i i feel like i can really appreciate like the 
what, what the director was trying to do. Like, it's very unsettling. This is not like your slasher horror film, um, where Mm -hmm. it's like, where you're anticipating jump scares. Like it's nothing like that. It is, it kind of feels like a slow burn, but also like you are deeply uncomfortable throughout the entirety of it. And, and like, I felt, I felt very uncomfortable watching it, but it, it kind of like, bigger metaphor of like, you know, parents knowing, knowing better for their own Mm -hmm. children and like that, that idea, but like kind of twisting it on its head because like they're, they're clearly doing really awful, terrible things to their, their adult children. I, I think it was really effective in, in making you feel that like visceral, uncomfortability. Um, yes, absolutely. but that being said, I don't know if that, that made me enjoy the film, but what about you? So I agree completely. I think that if the purpose of this movie was to make you feel uncomfortable, then you definitely got me there. A thousand and ten percent. I wrote down that I did not like the movie. And the reason was because, and we've talked about this before, of knowing the rules in a horror movie. And I felt like I didn't know what all of the rules were and I wanted, and I did not get my questions answered. I understand movies that uh, leave you on the note of the ending is whatever you interpret it to be like us. You know, some people Mm -hmm. say like the mom and the child were switched, you know, whatever. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen us, but that's fine. But my questions got answered all throughout that movie. This one, it was just like, why are they treating these kids like this in the first place? Obviously, they didn't grow up in that way. So mm-hmm. what made them think, I want to raise our kids like this? Like, I wanted more background to understand what was going on. It just felt like we're just going to make a movie about incest and bad parenting. And <laughs> this is what they came up with, you know, mm-hmm. and not to say that the, the, that the themes didn't work because it did work. Like those can be the results of like over parenting and protecting your child. And what happens when you, child children aren't introduced into society and what that could look like in older mm-hmm. age. So like, yes, but in the grand scheme of things, I just really wanted to know why. <laughs> why are we doing these things? And then I probably would have enjoyed it a, a little bit better. I don't know. <laughs> Does that make sense? I, yeah. I also don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like my, and just going straight into like the, the mental thing. So I definitely had this in sections when I was writing this out, like questions about the rules, questions mm-hmm. about or things about acting, questions about mental notes, and then like random comments. So side note, since we were talking about the Marvel Universe, I was dying laughing when they were describing the cat because that reminded me of the flurkin in Captain uh, Marvel and how that's how, um, what's his name, got his scar on his eye was because the cat scratched Mm -hmm. him. Yes, Fury, Nick Fury. And it was like the way that the parents were describing the cat as like something that could destroy them was a great recall to the MCU universe, even though that happened before then. But yes. Um, do you think that this was a good or an accurate representation of underdeveloped children in a sense of, um, you know, the, the overprotective parents and um, not letting them into society and how those kids were acting. Do you think that that was an accurate representation of that? Hmm. 
I mean, maybe like one, so one of the, um, one of the things I was reading about that the director was talking about, like that inspired him was this idea of like, he, he was saying that he thinks children are, are naturally like kind of violent towards each other. Like when, when kids are kids and like acting things out and like modeling different things, which like they're mm-hmm. doing in the movie, they're like acting out like a CPR scene and like a scene where yes. like the older daughter sees the younger daughter, they're like playing doctor, but like it's adults doing it, which is disturbing. But when we see kids doing it, it's very normal. And so in terms of like underdeveloped, I don't, or like that lack of access. I don't know because like there are certain things that they're doing that they like have some understanding of, but it's Mm -hmm. just such a like intentionally curated environment that it's hard to know. Like, like you said, like we don't know all the rules. So it's hard to know for sure if like the way that they're acting is because like their lack of access or because they were like intentionally taught certain things, which we see in other scenes that they are intentionally being taught things that are incorrect to our understanding. Um, and so like, it's, it's not totally clear. I mean, I think part of what, um, what also is like the way that they're communicating with each other, like it's very, this like apathetic dialogue is very intentional. So like that Mm. also I think comes across, there's like no empathy in, in how anybody is communicating, which is like, kind of on brand, I would say for, um, this director and some of the other movies, I like Brian, I'm sure has a lot of thoughts. Cause he <laughs> loves, well, he loves Colin Farrell. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. so I, so after watching this, I, I was very disturbed and it like, mm-hmm. again, it made me feel uncomfortable for an hour and a half and whether I like it or not, is kind of like, doesn't count anymore. I really like what this director brings anywhere. Like uh, if you don't know, he also directed the favorite. He also directed the lobster. Mm. He also directed the sacred, uh, the, the killing of a sacred deer, which I actually watched today because I just like, I just like needed to see more of his stuff. Um, yeah. I would say most of his characters in these movies talk in a very apathetic manner. And whether that is to, have the themes pop out more because you're less distracted by like what the emotional life of a character is and more about Mm. like what is happening around them. Um, uh, Or if it's trying to set up something, for instance, in the sacred killing of a deer, the family is very, everyone is very forthcoming about what, at least like to the, to to the naked eye um, to kind of set that, like they have their, their world and this is how it functions. And then something comes in to, to mess with that, whether it's the the girl, the um, the parking attendant, the security guard in this one, yes. whether it's the 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 young boy in uh, Sacred Killing of a Deer, or even I mean, the favorites not doesn't really count because like they are they emote a lot more um, mm-hmm. in that one. Um, but the lobster, there's like in the lobster, like they all just talk like with no emotion at all. It's 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 I love that movie. Um, but in this one, what I find interesting, and Jamie pointed out a, a little bit before, is like it's very clear where they chose for emotion to pop out of certain things, whether yeah. it was the dance at the end, or which is my favorite part of the movie, or whether it was the father saying that nasty comment about the security guard's children in the future, or right. whether, you know, or even when he would like have an outburst or when he was looking for his daughter, like those moments stand out because the rest of the movie is very monotone. And, and this is all mm-hmm. like, 
he, he's so he's such a curated director everything he does has a ton of intention behind it that it's hard to look away because you know how much i mean funny how much control he has over his you know vision and and i i definitely i don't know what he's like to work with i don't know how safe or unsafe those sets feel and i'm not speaking to all of that but right. the final product is definitely something that i am very attracted to from a um filmmaking point of view how it makes you feel perspective whether or not i like to feel that way or like the movie i guess is a totally different question yeah i mean that makes sense like we were all saying if the goal was to be to feel uncomfortable like they succeeded in doing Mm -hmm. that um so that is an interesting perspective because i did not even notice how like monotone everyone was I did notice the fact that I I really didn't hear them speaking each other's names at all and Mm -hmm. um when the eldest daughter yes (laughs) and (laughs) and when the eldest daughter like threw the plane outside of the house outside of the gate the son was like oh the eldest threw the plane you know or that's Mm -hmm. how the subtitles yeah, put it, yes. But, um, but Nikisha, that's a good point, actually, because yeah. this is in Greek. We're reading mm-hmm. subtitles. And um, have you seen any of his other movies? I haven't, no. Okay, so, like, I definitely think there's there's Jamie and I who have seen his, some of his other movies, whether it's one or, or multiple, like, kind of know, like, it, in, in let me rephrase that we've seen his movies in english whereas this one there's so much going on in terms of reading the subtitles and then listening that like like that is something that i totally understand like does maybe doesn't register to 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 individuals like mm-hmm. like if i don't know if i would have necessarily picked up on that if this was my first experience with one of his movies if that makes sense oh yeah no absolutely it's i, I was definitely just <laughs> figuring out what was going on, what was happening, why it was happening <laughs> while reading the subtitles and then just being like, I can't. And now it's over. Okay, great. Here we are. Um, but <laughs> speaking on that, do you guys have any thoughts or any uh, guesses as to like the purpose of them raising their kids like this? Did you think there was anything in the story that gave that away? Do you think that's not important? Um, like, how do you feel about how the kids were being raised. I mean, in terms of purpose, I I definitely think it's intentional that like, we don't really know, but the only thing that I think like kind of alludes to it is like the one scene where the father goes to that dog training facility that like they have a dog, it's being trained. It's like not done being trained. It's on level two or five. And because I was like, why pay, like, why is this important? What is the point of like even putting this part in the movie? And the trainer is like talking about the importance of like the dog finishing its training and saying like, do you want an animal or do you want a friend? Do you want like, do you want something that's like going to obey you? like no matter what, or, or like resist your commands. And, and I felt like that was intentional in terms of like, maybe giving some insight into what was going on in the father's head. Um, Mm -hmm. because he also like, didn't resist, like he didn't disagree with what was being said. He was like, Oh yes, this makes perfect sense. But even with, with even less emotion than I just did. And so, um, (laughs) so I, even though I don't know if we really know why this is happening. I think like there's something important in like this understanding of, of 
this training that he's like doing with his family. Like he is like, he's like kind of brainwashed. I mean, he is brainwashing them, like what he's doing. So like, (laughs) I would say like, that's like a, you know, an extreme form of, of training that he's subjecting his children to, but like actual motive, like only, only Yorgos knows. Only, only Yorgos knows. <laughs> that's, that's the quote. That's the theme of tonight's episode. Only Yorgos knows. Only Yorgos knows. We don't know anything. Um, no, that's an interesting point because even you <clears throat> saying that um, made me tie in the main rule, the, the title of the movie, Dogtooth, mm-hmm. in the fact that they are not allowed to leave the property until one of their quote unquote uh, dog teeth will fall out mm-hmm. and they can only learn how to drive when it grows back in. And it's like, why would you even think come to that? How do you, how do you come to that conclusion? But maybe it has something to do with how he perceives um, the dog training uh, that they spent like a good 10 minutes on, which is true. It's like, this mm-hmm. must be of some importance if we're here for this long talking about this. Um, so that's, that's an interesting uh, thing to, to think about, but Mm -hmm. I also was just so enamored in the fact that the parents were using like teaching the wrong, teaching words to them and the, uh, with the wrong meaning as just like a tactic to have them stay dependent on them and to have them realize like, we are the only ones who know things. Mm. And it was just, interesting the way that they would use like the word sea um and it's not the ocean it's it's a chair in your living room it's like why why is that necessary why is that of importance but it was just another tactic for them to uh for the children to be like dependent on their parents and and Mm -hmm. realize like oh we don't know anything they know everything um and I do want to talk about how physically abusive the parents were because how the dad was hitting the girls like do you think they might have suffered some type of brain damage because he probably has been hitting them like that their entire lives you Mm -hmm. know what I mean yeah so maybe that could also add into the underdevelopment of them because maybe they had one too many punches to the head you know Mm -hmm. call back to Rocky one of the movies that she watches on her on her VHS tape but I don't know did you think about that at all like yeah I mean like because we don't even know like how old they are we don't know like how long they've been dealing with physical abuse or like physical abuse towards each other because again like the the games that they're they're not even games but like the things that they're doing and the way that they're like not like modeling what what we would normally call adult behavior in children but it's in adults so it's weirder um yes like putting their fingers under the hot faucet or um or like the younger daughter hitting her brother while he was sleeping with the hammer and then blaming Mm -hmm. it on the cat yeah like who knows how long they've been enduring any and all kinds of physical abuse so i imagine that that also can definitely like impact their um their functioning yeah absolutely the tactic of like so has the father been lying about the fact that like they've had an older brother outside of the compound right and is that something that like gives them hope like the whole dog tooth rule like you lose your dog tooth then you can learn how to drive like all that stuff like and you can um is that the fact that like 
a, this fake older brother um, or maybe there was an older brother and like something happened or whatever. I don't, again, we don't know, but like, I see that as a tactic to, to make sure that these kids know that there is hope that one day they will get onto the other side. But like, mm. he may have made it up completely because they're never actually leaving. I, I don't know that, that that was also something that struck me. No. Yeah. I thought about that too, if they were lying or not, because they were lying about potentially just having twins out of the blue but then they were like, if you and act right, then, and a dog. <laughs> She's going to give birth to two twins and a dog, mm-hmm. which uh, led me to so many other questions because <laughs> with all the incest and everything, it's like, <laughs> these girls are older and okay, are they on their periods? Like how, how are the parents explaining that to them? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so many questions, so many rules. I would love to know all of the, all of the things, but yeah, I was wondering, was that just a tactic or was there actually a brother that left? Cause they were so ready to just lie about like, Oh, we're, we're having twins guys and mm-hmm. you're going to have to share rooms with them. But if you act right, then I, I guess I won't have them. Like what? <laughs> I mean, I guess my thought was like, it was again, like who knows where that, that could have originated, but like I assumed that it was like something that they created because it was also something that they tried to like as neatly as you can wrap up an imaginary brother being killed by a cat. They like made, they made some comment about like, okay, like we need to like, this needs to be over and done with. So like, let's, we can take advantage of this moment. Right. So I, I, I mean the same thing as like, the airplanes, like they, they had to, yeah, (laughs) they had to like come up with all kinds of things to, I mean, I guess like that kind of speaks to outside influences that they don't have control over. Right. Cause like planes are flying over and they can't stop the planes from flying over, but they can try to control like what message their, their kids get from that as isolated as they are in this compound, maybe they don't have so much control over if other people potentially drive by it or like other random sounds that maybe the kids mm-hmm. heard the kids. Now I'm talking about them like they're kids, these adult people yes, <laughs> um, that they hear. And like, maybe like that was how they tried to explain like what was happening. So I imagine again, like, because it's, it's about control. I imagine that like them, the parents trying to control things that are outside of their control as much as possible, um, to try to like reinforce that, that whatever leftover control that they still have. Yeah. Only, only Yorgos knows. Only Yorgos knows (laughs) what the theme, why, who, what, when, where, all of the things, some of the, some of the things in the, when you said that you were speaking about these adults as if they were kids, I was going to say, yeah, that's also a testament to the acting skills uh, of these characters because to be able to embody the in-betweens of like adolescence Mm. was pretty spot on and and genius. And it it definitely came through to me. There was one moment in particular when the girl got a hold of the tapes and she was imitating the Rocky spitting blood and she was using Mm -hmm. like, I guess, cranberry juice or whatever. And it just like takes you back because I remember when I was like younger and watching Pocahontas and she like falls off that cliff and I'm like jumping off my couch, you know, like, (laughs) so I was like, no, this is great. This is exactly what people do like kids do Mm -hmm. um and when the cat first came and the sun was just kind of like taken aback 
and he was like sneaking up on the cat with like high raised knees, like a cartoon, mm-hmm. like <laughs> trying <laughs> to sneak up on it. And I was like, this is pretty overdone. But then I was like, no, he's a, his mindset is a kid. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Like that works. So like at first it took me out of it a little bit, but I was like, no, that's how, that's how a child would act. So kudos to all of those, um, actors and the director and how they portrayed that with the dialogue and how they filmed all those things because um you definitely think of these people as kids but they look like they are in their late 20s mm-hmm. the the idea also of like you know okay like if, if we're gonna get like twisted about it like fine you know you're controlling their environment and like like treating them like young children, but then also where does the son needing to have sex with the security guard come in? Because exactly that, I think that's really what like pushes it even further is like, fine. If you're trying to infantilize adults, like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's weird, but like, I'll fit it into this box neatly as neatly as I can and like compartmentalize that. But like, then you were also still like treating him like an adult person. So like how, like those things combined are like very disturbing because like you think about it on the flip side and like, what if it was a child who they were doing that to and like, who knows how long that was happening for, but like, then that's too perverse. Like it's just like the crossover and intersection of all these things is like so mind boggling that it's so disturbing and upsetting to think about, but like, it is also disturbing as an adult, if they're so focused on infantilizing the family too. Right. So I, I have I have questions. If we're ta- if now if we're talking about the sexual aspect of this movie, I mean it's it's interesting because like people wouldn't maybe classify this as a horror movie, but like this may be one of the most like horrifying movies I've seen. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Here's a question: We don't know their. You had mentioned we don't really know their ages and and things like that. I guess do you think this is their way of kind of like curbing or or taking control as much as they can of these characters' sexual awakening? You know, similar to a dog, you like you neuter dogs to keep them down mm-hmm. to have they don't reproduce. Like, you, obviously, the parents like haven't gone that far into. Um, like doing these horrible things to their children. But like, there is also an aspect of that of like, you know, if I control, you know, if, if I can control kind of his sexual awakening and intercourse and potentially like he doesn't have all this built up testosterone or like, cause like dogs in heat, if you will, like can, yeah. can be unruly. I'm wondering if that's a part of it. And then again, they never even, I mean, and I think it's intentional that they never even um, talk about how they curb the the female, um, right? The the, the daughter's um, urges, um, or or they don't talk about menstruation or any of that. But I think that's I think that's on purpose. I don't know if it's on purpose because they the the creative team didn't know how to kind of approach that because they don't have as much experience. Um, mm-hmm. Or if it was done because it's such a patriarchal society, like that the father is clearly the one that has all of the power and he doesn't even, and because he's probably incredibly misogynist, he doesn't, um, he doesn't consider them to have sexual urges. They are just kind of at the, at the, the, the plea of the man or, or whatnot. They're just like vessels, if you will, um, in terms of Well, I think that's, that is the key. And that is seen when they're like, oh, we'll just give one of the daughters to him. 
Like they don't care about what the girls think, but they want to make sure that the son is taken care of. And so I think it definitely is a, a matter of um, patriarchal. We are going to uh, tame however we can so that there's not an uprising and the son going against the father. But it's like, I mean, the mom is not working. She's not doing anything but staying at home. So um, there obviously is a hierarchy of the dad being the one in control and everyone else is just underneath him. So whatever happens with the daughters, like it, or however they're feeling, it doesn't matter to them. And I want to, I want to say you only see him hit the girls. He doesn't hit the guy at all. Does he? Yeah. I don't think so. The mom punishes the son by making him drink mouthwash. Right. Um, And I don't know if he hit his son, but I know he was like in the, in the scene where the younger daughter hits him with the hammer and like, Mm -hmm. she gives the excuse that the cat did it. And the, the dad obviously knows that like, that is not, True, but I can't really like back down on these, on the lies that he has fed his family. I can't remember if he like slaps him or like he does something and he's just like, you know, be safer next time kind of thing. He literally tapes the VC, the VHS to his hand. That was insane. And beats the, beats the daughter with it. Like he, uh, yeah, there's, I definitely think it's, it's a matter of like, they, it doesn't matter what they think, which is insane. I also think it was there, and I'm glad they included this scene, um, the parents having sex, uh, where he puts on the, he puts on the headphones while he's doing it. And whether that is just like, he like, like it's all about him and he just likes to um, like get into his own zone while he does it, whether he doesn't believe that, like, I don't know, uh, without like saying what it is, it's, he has, he clearly has a very specific point of view on like what sex is and 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 all of that. And I thought that was, I'm glad they included that. And then obviously I don't think I've ever seen a more uncomfortable scene in a movie than the the um the final sex scene, the the incest sex scene. But like that just like <sighs> that's what to me that that scene is what makes us a horror movie. Absolutely. I I had yeah. to look away. I I couldn't it was it was too intense it was too much especially with how they developed the relationships throughout the movie and how close the siblings were it just was even more of a horror and the most uncomfortable the most uncomfortable feeling very disturbing so yes so i have a question for you nikisha Mm -hmm. jamie's been just like Yes. <laughs> working hard. So I have a question for you. Let's I want to talk about sex scenes like as an actress. Um mm-hmm. again, I mentioned I said earlier, I have done no research on what kind of a set the director holds on all of his movies. Um, you know, he I, I just don't know. I don't know how safe people feel. I don't know how, you know, comfortable people feel. But like obviously these are very gratuitous, not gratuitous per se, but like very naked close quarters sexual um scenes and whether you see a lot of uh, people's bodies um both yeah. male and female which like on one in one world i really appreciated because like it's usually just gratuitous towards the female body but absolutely like, there felt like some sort of a balance where when there's a balance in a movie it's about what that sex has to do with the themes not necessarily yes and i think that's what the only thing that makes you comfortable is that because you're seeing 
all parts. You know that there's a point to it. Um, However, but then it teeters on like, am I, what is this pornography? Like, am I actually watching like a pornography in this film? But I guess the question for you is like, what would you consider a safe environment, whether it's on stage or in front of the camera and and, and, and best practices for that? What would make you feel uncomfortable? What would not make you feel uncomfortable? Does a director's vision come into play? Like what makes you come uncomfortable or is it just the physical things on set that day? Um, I guess I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure. So please, uh, you know. Well, I think the first thing is communication. Communication is key throughout all of this. All parties need to understand everything that's going on and what they're being asked of. And uh, of course, I mean, obviously I have not (laughs) been in these experiences, but I've listened to a lot of male and female actors who have had these kinds of scenes and the environments, uh, good and bad, that they've been put in. And it was all came down to communication. uh, I want to say it was um, Drew Barrymore spoke of uh, a moment where she signed a contract that stated exactly what body parts were supposed to be shown at what angles. And so she signed on for that. But when the actual movie came out um, in another country, another version of the movie, it showed more than what she signed on for. And it was because of the fact that in her contract, it was only for the release that was happening in the in North America. Um, oh wow! That, yeah, it was like insane. But uh, so you just have to make sure that you are on page and that you're comfortable with the director's vision, like you mentioned, Brian. Um, and that's what distinguishes it, I, I guess, from it just being a flat out porn show, you know, pornography. It's the vision of the director and how is it servicing the story and not just like senseless sex scenes which can happen a lot in horror movies they're just there just to be there and it services no part of the story referring back to um bridgerton that just came out on netflix um the main characters talk a lot about intimacy coaches and how the sex scenes are basically choreography there's nothing that's happening that wasn't choreographed down to the T. And I think that's also important to um, make sure that you're comfortable and that everybody knows what's going on. So it's just like a dance. It's, it's choreography and you're just doing the choreography and you're, you know, saying your lines and it's servicing the story. So I think in order for there to be a safe environment, there again has to be communication and that you're okay with what the vision of the director is. Make sure that you are signing your contract correctly and it reads correctly of what body parts are being shown and what's not. And asking for an, an intimacy coordinator, uh, if they can provide one so that you guys are having those talks and conversations before you get on set um, so that you know exactly what's going on and you know whatever prosthetic is being used and everything so that you feel safe and comfortable. And I think that's the um, purpose of the directors to make you know the actor feel comfortable so that their story can be told, you know, so that the writer's story can be told. They have to be comfortable. Um, so I think those are hopefully those things were happening because those were some very very intense scenes um, and maybe some prosthetics, you know, being used. But uh, yeah, I think that's definitely some things that need to happen in order for people to feel safe in, in a uh, filming environment for those sex scenes. Yeah. Heavy question. (laughs) (laughs) Heavy movie. Very, very heavy movie. Um, But Jamie, was there any like main things that stood out to you in the movie, whether it, 
be maybe certain scares or what did you, what was your main like takeaway after you got done? They're all like such good actors. Like you, I feel like you have to be so exceptional to, to like hold, like to hold all of that emotion in that way, with the exception of like Mm -hmm. the flash dance scene, which I feel like was like the oldest daughter finally like emoting. And I also wonder like maybe how much, how much of their like controlled emotional expression like also came from the father. Um, Like Mm. if that was intentional or like part of the, like you have to be good, like to, to decide what our our event for the evening is going to be or whatever. Like, is that another aspect of control? But like, yeah, like the control that they all have, the control that the that the older daughter has and then like finally gets exposed to these other influences and, and how that like really helps her channel some of those emotions, like talking about the horrifying incest scene and like her, like, um, Oh man, and now I, and now my movie knowledge is going to fail me, but, um, I know that she quotes a movie in uh, to her brother immediately after and like, but it's like a threatening quote, Yes. Um, mm-hmm. and like, like using, like cha- she's channeling these other influences because like either she does not know how to communicate those emotions herself or yeah. has not been taught them, but like that there's something that she's getting out of watching them and then is, is, is acting them out in person as a way for her to like actually emote, which is so fascinating. And so like watching the, like the last like third of the movie where she like has those materials and and that is like coming out in her, in her like childlike play, as well as like her, her acting out like literally um, in front of her family. But like, yeah, like I, I think like that was such an incredible, she does such a incredible job, the eldest daughter. Oh, she did. The, the scene where she takes the weight and is trying to knock her teeth out was and and with such a straight face like and like we've been saying no emotion at all she's just literally like going for it deadpan and nope yeah sounds either no no sounds no screaming no flinching she just goes for it and I also want to know how they did that and th- how the blood comes out because that was oh, beautiful. It, yeah. That was, mm-hmm. I mean, as far as like cinematography, like that scene was great, except for when she got done and they panned over and it literally just looked like, you know, when people just put the black paint on their teeth <laughs> to like show that mm-hmm. they have a, to- a tooth missing. Like that's literally what it looked like when it was done. But when she was actually hammering her face with that weight and the blood was splattering everywhere and she just was not emoting at all that was very intense and that was a great scene she did a great job definitely when she got into the trunk and then the dad drives to work I was like oh they're not going to open the trunk they're just, they're just going to fade out and I was like yep that's what happens like so <laughs> did not she get out satisfying ending here Right. But also like practical because how do you get out of a trunk? Is there a latch? I don't know. I've never been in a trunk. Somebody tell me, but like there was <laughs> no way some she was cars, out. Some car, I think now what I've heard is that like, it's standard now to have some kind of like button or in inner latch 
to, mm. uh, and maybe this is like a very pessimistic thing, or maybe I'm making this up, but like, I think it's like <laughs> to prevent people from like actually being trapped in trunks of cars, like if they're gotcha. kidnapped or something like that, that like they can actually escape. But this movie was made in 2009. So right. I don't know if the cars had the inner trunk latches at that point. Right. Cause I know like if you have like hatchbacks, you can like get out from the back seats from the trunk, like, you know, the back seats let down and, and into the trunks. But right. if you don't have that and it's a separate trunk, there's like, there's no way she's getting out of there. So like, you just have to, you just have to end the movie and leave it at yep. that because only Yorgos knows. Only Yorgos knows. <laughs> only Yorgos knows what's happening. But so, yes. <laughs> so I, I have two theories about that. One, obviously they want you to know like, did she tr- die trying to get out all that? You know, we talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing, and, and maybe I missed it when you said it, was um, the rule is, like, you can lose your dog tooth, you get out. But technically, she, like, she's not, she, she, like, the rule, like, is, like, you have to see it from the car. Like, like, like there's, right. so, like, maybe she's not getting out, not because she's scared or she can't get out, but because she knows that's that, true. like, she's within the rules because she lost the tooth. So that's one thing about it. But the other thing is I just looked it up while you were talking. Um, the quote she says um, after she has sex with her brother, that's not a sentence I like saying. Um, yes. Uh, but um, the quote she says after her brother is, um, do that again, bitch, and I'll rip your guts out. I swear on my daughter's life that you and your clan won't last long in this neighborhood. I think that's what she says, won't last long in this. I just looked it up, and it's not from any direct movie. Um, and I think the point is that she started to create her own thoughts oh. from hmm. the movies that she's been watching. Wow. And so, like, the way that, like, some people learn English by watching Friends. She's learning to kind of put her own sentences and thoughts together based on all the things that she's watching, whether it's Rocky or Flashdance mm-hmm. or Jaws right. or whatever it is. And that leads her to do the dance from Flashdance, right. which is, again, my favorite part because, like, like we talked about, she's a moaning or whatever. That's that. But I do have one more question for Jamie quickly. Um, we mm. didn't really talk about when the father beats the security guard over the head with the vcr and then he says i forget what the quote is but he says like i wish that your children are awful or something like that like can you i'll look for the quote exactly but i guess what i hope your kids have bad influences and develop bad personalities i wish this with all my heart i mean i think it goes back to what i was saying in the beginning of like this idea that like parents know best, like parents know best for their own kids. And so like this, um, this like almost like uh, taking it to an extreme of this like narcissistic, almost self-indulgent perspective of like, how dare you come into my home and corrupt my children? Like I, like I am, you know, deciding what the, the rules are. And like, I, you know, like how, like, like that kind of perspective of like, he, he is the authority on, on his, on his family. And then this outside influence coming in and like messing up the dynamic in some kind of way, because then you have like, 
if you look at it from like a, (laughs) a healthier family dynamic without the actual context of this movie, but just like surface level of, of an, an outside influence coming into a family and, and having some kind of negative um, influence over, over a child. And what does that do for the family dynamic? Is the child now acting out? And like, how are the parents handling that? Um, Maybe they have to discipline the child as a result. Um, And not saying like, you know, negatively physical abuse, but just like, like there are healthier ways to discipline children on this, like very pulled back surface level. Like that's, that's what I imagine. And then obviously again, it's like disturbing because like he is the bad influence on his own family. So it's like subverting this idea that, that like he knows best. He's still acting like he knows best and, and like is treating his family like he's, he knows best and is still doing what we know to be the wrong things and and is the corrupt and bad influence on his own family. And so I think it's like twisting that idea that like, you know, parents are the authority, like individual parents are the authority on their own kids and and they try to protect them and mm-hmm. teach them right from wrong. And when there's things outside of their control that that have some impact or influence on their children, like then they have to go and like kind of undo or talk or explain, or maybe they weren't ready to have that conversation yet. And now they're, they're forced to when it's not the right time, like all of those factors that, that like play into family dynamics and childhood development and like all of that. But like, again, it's, it's skewed because like we're seeing it from a twisted, uh, disturbing perspective. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That just made me just think about like, parenting in general and which is a whole nother conversation that we don't have to get into because we do not have time to get into but but yes um, go with that yes (laughs) how like what is the happy medium between protecting your kids from things in the world but also making sure that they're ready to handle all of the things that happen in the world I mean because a lot of the times when we go into therapy, it all kind of starts with like how our childhood was and how our parenting life was and how they taught us and, and, you know, how they developed us and all of those things. So it's just interesting. Of course, this movie is the extreme point of view of overprotective parenting, but it does raise the question of like, what is the happy medium of like giving your kid, giving your kids leeway to experience the world and make their own decisions and their own choices and their own opinions while also giving them tools to, or teaching them right from wrong and, you know, helping them to navigate certain difficulties in the world, you know, so that they're not surprised when they get out there. But it's an interesting thing. And especially because like when you go back to the rules of like the only way that you can leave is when your dog tooth comes out and then, and then you can, when it grows back in, you can drive a car, I think was right. like the second part of that. Yes. Like that's never going to happen. And so, right. is, so then the intention with this family is like, he's, he's trying to prepare them for a life that they're never, they're never going to leave this compound. That's, mm-hmm. that's his intention where, where maybe some overprotective parents, like that's their fear. Like when their kid is like ready to go out into the world and, and has to like face certain things, like that mm-hmm. might be the scariest thing 
to a parent because then they no longer have control over the influences that their that their children are going to face and then right. and then there's a risk of of harm of physical harm of emotional harm of mm-hmm. disappointment of bad decisions bad influences like all of these things that that ultimately like parents like we we only have control over ourselves to like parents only have control over their kids for, for so long. And then, and then there's a point where, you know, independence happens. And so, um, that can be like really difficult for parents to, to, to not be able to have that control anymore over their kids and try to exert it in other ways that like then in turn can lead to resistance on, on a a young adult or child's behalf. Um, and, and also have that like negative impact on, on the familial relationship. So point being parenting is hard. Let's just not get a dog instead. (laughs) Yes. A well-trained, do you want a dog? Do you want an animal or do you want a friend? Right. A well, a well-trained dog because, (laughs) wow, can't, can't imagine. Don't want to. Sorry, mom, but grandkids are not happening right now. Yeah. Sorry, mom, for any, you know, anything I put you through. Um, right. But this that is too much. Uh, okay, cool. Do you want to guess the Rotten Tomato score? It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. I am terrible, and I again in my research saw the score. Oh, you did. Either. Okay. I really <laughs> was not trying to, but I was trying to look up who wrote it, and it just popped out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I don't know it. Okay, Jamie, what do you think? I did not see so it. It it won. I, I, we talked about this, but like it won some awards at the Cannes Film Festival that year. It is highly mm-hmm. regarded um, mm-hmm. among critics, uh, European and American. So, uh, what do you think this Rotten Tomato score is? I'm gonna say, oh God, I'm gonna say eighty nine percent. Okay, it is a. Uh, it is a 93%. Um, so close. It'll be too disgusting and meandering for some, but Dogtooth is an is as disturbing and startlingly original as modern filmmaking gets. Nice. I yeah, think wasn't it nominated for an Academy Award? It was nominated for Best Foreign Film that year. And he's been nominated multiple times since then. Like he's, uh, uh, you know, um, he was nominated for best director for the favorite. Um, and um, mm. he was nominated for um, screenplay for the lobster. And then he was nominated for his movie, the favorite. Um, cool. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Now let's, you want to do the four S's? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Do it. Skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> all right. So, as we all know, the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and uh, suggestions. So, skulls is mental health, how well they depicted that, or how we think. Scares is how much it scared us, jump scares or, or, or not. Um, shakes is how much can you like shake this movie off? Does it stay with you? Um, again, out of 10. And then suggestions are, we'll just suggest uh, suggestions. Who are you movies. reminding us out of 10 in case it's uh, higher than a 10 for any in case category? 1,000. <laughs> well, it's one to 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, I would say for skulls, for me, I gave it a seven. I thought that it represented uh, some good mental themes that were uh, nice to discuss, even though it's things that we are not certain of because only Yorgos knows. I only Yorgos knows. I'm like teetering between the 6.5 to 7. I don't know if this, and I, I think part of that is like, I don't know if this kind of movie is for me. This like, so like art house, super indie type movie that like, you know, I get it. It's just like, not my, not my, you know, cup of tea. Um, yeah. So maybe I'll go 6.5. <laughs> I'm going to go eight. I don't know if this is accurate or not. But the way that they did portray it, like, I thought that they, and I guess it's not a good way to kind of rate it, but I thought that they just, like, went all in on it. They were very dedicated. It was very intentional. It was clearly thought out. Whether or not, like, it's real or not or whatnot is something that, like, kind of escapes me. So I'm going to say an eight because of the conversations we have. All right, next is Scares. I gave it a four because, like Jamie said, this movie is not going to give you you know, a lot of jump scares, but the killing of the cat and the brick to the teeth was enough to, for me to give it a four. Yeah. I would, I would give it a four just for the, the, the tooth scene. Um, it is just like startling, not like super horrifying, but, um, Mm -hmm. I was just like, Oh, that's your mouth. Be careful. Uh, I'm going to give it a two. I just like, I didn't, it may be deeply uncomfortable, which like definitely like put my nerves like raw, but like it, I didn't necessarily like get jump scared and stuff like that. So the shakes next. Yeah. Shakes next. Yes. Okay. Um, I, at first I had this as a four, but as we have been talking about this, I, as much as I would love to just forget about this movie and never have to deal with it ever again, I would mm-hmm. probably still give it an eight as far as unsettling images that will be in my mind for for the next couple of days, unfortunately. Sure, Jamie? I am going to give this a nine. It's super disturbing, and there's only so many things that I can compartmentalize in my brain to, like, make this go away. And it's so intentional in how it's trying to make you uncomfortable. And for me, it is very hard to get rid of those feelings. So, yeah. Because you're a cancer. You're taking this empath. (laughs) I'm just so empathic. Yes. (laughs) Taking all the emotions in. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go with an eight. For everything that you just said, like, I'm not going to be able to forget this one. I, I I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, you guess what you have to watch, friend? You have to watch Dogtooth because I can't stop thinking about it. But, like, I'm just yeah, going to kind of, like, li- I mean, the fact that I had to watch another one of his movies, like, right after it just shows how much, like, it definitely stuck with me and, and influenced my, like, decision-making of movie to watch in, like, the, the day after and stuff like that. Oh, I'm definitely watching Bob's Burgers after this. Like, <laughs> that's a good, yeah, that'll, that'll help. Uh, yes. Um, all right. And, and uh, what suggestions would you have? Uh, yeah. yeah. So I need to get up on my foreign film game because I, the only movie that I've seen and loved is Parasite. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> which I'm sure that we'll we'll discuss if you're just looking for a foreign horror film. But I have on my list 
on Netflix, there is a show called Sweet Home um, that is a foreign horror thriller, but it's a TV show that supposedly is really good. A lot of people have been suggesting it to me, so I will suggest it to you guys. It's called Sweet Home on Netflix. Jamie? I mean, I know what I want to say, but I'm going to save it because I think Brian is going to suggest it. Um, <laughs> so instead... I, I, and I don't really know why this is the film that like comes to mind when I think of this movie, but I am going to suggest funny games. I think it's because Mm. it's another movie that like unsettled me in like a similar way, not exactly the same, like really there's no like comparable explanation of, of why I'm really suggesting this, I guess, other than like, you don't really know why what's happening in this movie is happening. I don't want to spoil it because Nikisha saw you shake your not. head. So, but yeah, it's a, it's a good one. There's a, an American remake of, of the same Austrian original movie, I think directed by the same director. Um, mm-hmm. So I believe I saw the, the remake, but again, it's like a shot for shot remake of the original movie that he also directed. So nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, I'm actually going to, I'm going to say The Killing of a Secret Deer. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to say. So I take it back. <laughs> so what were you going to say? The lobster? I was going to say the lobster. Yeah. But my turn is over, so. <laughs> um, I'm going to say The Killing of a Sacred Deer. I actually watched it today. And um, it has a very similar themes. Uh, my my homeboy, um, Colin Farrell, is uh, is in it, who I love. Your best friend. Uh, I, I think he's a spectacular actor. Nicole Kidman is in it. Um, nice. It's so basically a, a lot of it is thematically, and I won't explain anything to you, but like thematically it, um, it mirrors this a little bit in that an outside force comes into their family based on something that happened in the past. Um, and, and, and their whole world gets flipped upside down. Um, it's, similar in that everybody speaks in an apathetic manner. It's incredibly bloody at times. Um, there's like no soundtrack. It's either, there's either a no background music or like it's like full piece orchestras with very unsettling like classical music type mm. of, of, of soundtrack. Um, it's like very unsettling in that way. Um, I found it incredibly engaging and off-putting. It's also based on the uh, Greek tragedy Um uh, Iphigenia uh, at Aulis, um, which is about the um, Agamemnon kills um, a uh, a deer in Artemis's um, like sacred field, and then Agamemnon has to choose in in like in retribution, like like eye for an eye type of thing. He has mm-hmm. to kill his oldest daughter to make up for what he did for Artemis, the hunting god. And then it's about him like going back and forth and all that. And this movie is like kind of his version of that. Um, again, Yorgos directed it, um, and it was it's truly spectacular if you like that kind of thing. Um, and Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman are excellent in it. Okay, that reminds me. There's like there's a biblical story about a man who I think, wow, I'm terrible. I love Jesus, but I don't remember the story. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it was a man, I think he like asked God to win a war. And if he won this war, he would kill like the first thing he saw, but then he saw his daughter and it was like Mm -hmm. his only child. And he had to like kill his daughter, but yes, all those things, decisions. Um, Yeah. I think that's, I think we can stop talking about dog tooth now.
<laughs> okay. okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Jamie, for answering all those questions uh, about, thank you, know, you Nikisha, for bad parenting questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you don't know. as a non-parent, non I, I am the <laughs> yes. authority on, on parenting. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is just um, my substitute for therapy sessions, guys, <laughs> as an actress in this um, quarantine world. So that is what talk horror is. <laughs> <laughs> it's horror movies and therapy sessions, but... Uh, we should call this horror therapy. We should change the name to horror therapy. Yes, horror therapy. Mm. That's what it is. <laughs> but that's what's so interesting about it, though. It's the psychological aspect of why people are making the decisions that they make, which is why I was like, yes, I would love to ask Jamie all of the questions <laughs> about psychology <laughs> in horror movies and just geek over all of my uh, favorite um, horror men. <laughs> They're all great. <laughs> but thank you guys for listening to us talk about this um insane movie uh if you uh would like to follow us we are on instagram and twitter at talk horror pod pod um yeah follow us there give us suggestions of things that you want us to talk about and rip me to shreds for butchering all of those uh greek names guys <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun time but jamie any last words Brian, any last words? Your last uh, you can, words for your life. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. And thank you. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah. I, I got nothing other than only, only Yorgo Snows. Only, only Yorgo Snows. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, thank you guys for tuning in. Bye. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>